You're listening to the preaching ministry of First Baptist Church in Newton, North Carolina. By God's grace and for His glory, we're striving to be a community of disciples who are growing in trust, growing in love, and growing disciples. We pray you'll be encouraged to deeply love and trust our Savior Jesus Christ through this ministry. We hope you enjoy the sermon. If you will, open your Bible with me to Genesis chapter 16. Yesterday, somebody that I love dearly said, do we get to go to Genesis 17 this week? And I said, no, one more in Genesis 16. I want to I pick up on a discussion that we started um, a while back, but we kept putting it off, and I promised you that I'd come back to it. And so this morning, I want to explore this question, who is the angel of the Lord? That we first meet in Genesis chapter 16, in verse 7. It's important that we know who this is because he is specifically mentioned over 60 times in the Old Testament. And our question this morning is, who is he? So let's read a passage that you probably have memorized by now. Genesis 16, we'll start in verse 7. Now the angel of the Lord found her. This is, this is Hagar. <laughs> hey, honey. <laughs> That's right. That'll be the only thing we remember today, isn't it? This is... It's really good. Parents sometimes say, I'm so sorry my kid was loud. I said, you know what a blessing it is to hear the sound of children in this room. Praise the Lord for children. And that one. He's special. Genesis chapter 16, verse 7. Now the angel of the Lord found her. Remember the her is Hagar. This is Sarah's handmaid, who was probably given to Abram and Sarah by Pharaoh in Egypt whenever he, whenever he left. But Hagar was used by Abram and Sarah to try to get a son through Abraham. And then once she conceived, you remember that she began to despise Sarah, Abram's wife. And so then Abram said, I don't care, do with her what you want. Sarah abuses her and Hagar runs away. She's running back to Egypt. So the angel found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live to the east of all his brothers. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God who sees. And she said, Have I even remained alive here after seeing him? Let's pray. 
Father in heaven, I pray that your spirit would come and be our teacher and open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word. I pray that in this passage, that that the result of your working through it would be that we leave this place in awe, in joyful submission to your son Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. This morning, I'm, this, is, this is really not going to be a sermon as much as I'm going to teach. And I, I have in my mind sort of like a connect the dots. And, and I want to walk us through the, the process of us trying to figure out who exactly is this angel of the Lord. And so step one in our little connect the dots is that this word translated angel can be tricky. Because it has a a, a wide variety, it can refer to a wide variety of beings. This word for angel, malach in the Old Testament and angelos in the New, quite literally means messenger. Sometimes these messengers are human. So for example, we look at Haggai chapter 1. Then Haggai, here's this phrase, the messenger of the Lord Spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, I am with you, declares the Lord. Now, I want want you to see this. Normally, I don't do this, but I want you to see. I'm not just making this stuff up. That that what we have, you can can barely see this. I wish it was a little bit bigger. But we have there Genesis 16, verse 7. And we see this phrase, the angel of the Lord, is the exact same phrase as the messenger of the Lord. In Haggai 1, it's clearly talking about a human being. It's very important because the Bible's not saying that Haggai, the prophet, was the, an angel like we normally think about an angel, majestic, wings, this spirit being. Haggai was a man, but he was, he was sent by the Lord with a message and he was called the messenger of the Lord. We see this, we see this also in places like Luke chapter Chapter 7, verse 24, when the messengers of John the Baptist had, have left, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. So, sometimes this angel of the Lord or the, the messenger of the Lord is merely human. But sometimes those messengers are actually angels. They're described in the Bible as these all-inspiring Creatures, at least some of them have wings, and they're described often as members of God's army. We first met an angel in Genesis chapter 3 when God stationed a, a, a cherubim to guard the way of the tree of life to the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword. But we see angels appear in places like Luke 1. The angel answered and said to him, Zechariah, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you. We sit in Luke. 2 verse 13, and suddenly there appeared with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. So, so this is step one, and notice what we have so far. This word angel literally means messenger. And it could be a human messenger, or it could be an angelic messenger. You with me so far? Let's go to step two. We're going to go a little bit deeper here, because other times in the Bible, the term angel actually refers to God Himself when God appears in human form in order to communicate directly with people. We see this. Keep your place there in Genesis 16 and look over to Genesis 48.
And look at verse 14. This at the end of Jacob or Israel's life and his children are bringing his grandchildren to him and he's blessing them. Verse 14 says, But Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim who was the younger and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. He blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abram, Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, then notice what he calls him, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. And may my name live on in them and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Notice in verse 16, what does Jacob call God? The angel. Notice that this is particularly true when the Bible talks about the angel of the Lord. So go back to Genesis 16 now. And notice what we have. Now the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. Then the angel of the Lord, this is who's talking to her, said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said, I will greatly multiply your descendants so they will be too many to count. And notice what we have so far. The angel of the Lord is speaking for God, coming with God's full authority. Let's keep going. Verse 11. The angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child and you will bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him and he will live to the east of all his brothers. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees. For she said, have I even remained alive here after seeing him? You see what's happening? Hagar is speaking to the angel of the Lord. But who does she and the author of the book of Genesis say in verse 13 that she's talking to? God himself. The Lord. Look over to, you don't have to turn there, let me read this to you, Genesis 31. Then the angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. He said, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, return to the land of your birth. Or we think about Judges, this is when, when the angel of the Lord appeared before Samson's mom and daddy. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you so that we may prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? So that when your words come to pass, we may honor you. But the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord. And he performed wonders while Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came about when the flame went up from the altar toward heaven that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. Then Manoah and his wife saw this. They fell on their faces to the ground. Now the angel of the Lord did not appear to Manoah or his wife again. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. Now check this out in verse 22. So Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, 
For we have seen God. I want to make sure everybody's tracking. So this angel of the Lord, this angel, this word angel in the Bible can refer to what? Human beings, angelic beings, or to God Himself. That's right. Let's take another step. Step three. We need to keep in mind that God has always existed as one God in three persons. We see this very clearly in places like 2 Corinthians 13. The grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. But, but this is, has been the case from the very beginning. Think about Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. We see it in, we certainly see it, it's very clear in the life of Jesus. Luke 22, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and began to pray. Let's just remember, even though it's hard for us to understand, when Jesus knelt down and started to pray, he wasn't talking to himself. He's praying to his father. And we see this very clearly in the next verse, whenever he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. So we have this unity in the Godhead, one God, but we see there is distinction. Jesus can say, not my will, but your will be done. This is one of these things that would be very easy for you to say. You know, I don't understand this. This seems kind of silly to me. Therefore, it doesn't really matter. I want to encourage you not to... Just because you don't understand it. One, it doesn't mean it's not true. And it doesn't mean it's not important. This, this ought to... The fact that we can't understand it, but the fact that it is true, ought to leave us in humble awe of our God who is so incredible that it's very difficult. Let me, let me show you one amazing awe-inspiring and eye-opening text. Look over almost to the last book of the Old Testament. The next to the last book, Zechariah. Look at Zechariah chapter 2. Zechariah 2. Look at verse 10. I have it on the screen, just in case. Sing for joy and be glad, O daughter of Zion. For behold, I am coming. And I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. Many nations will join themselves to the Lord in that day and will become my people. Then I will dwell in your midst And you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. This is amazing. In verse 10, who is coming to dwell with his people? The Lord. In verse 11, who is coming to dwell with his people? Who's talking in verse 11? And let this blow your mind. The Lord is coming to dwell with His people, but look at what the result will be at the end of verse 11. Then I, the Lord, will dwell in your midst, and you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. The Lord 
God himself is sending the Lord to dwell with his people. We'll come back to this. It's critical for us to see that the second person of the Trinity is the Lord. And he is used to being sent on the mission of God. Step three. Now let's go to step four. When we think about God or the Lord in the Old Testament, I don't know about you, but in my mind, it's very easy for me just to imagine that we're talking about the Father. If we're thinking about the Trinity, when you see God at work in the Old Testament, you're like, oh, that's God the Father at work in the Old Testament. But the fact is, it's not often the case. Certainly not when God is seen visually. Think about this. John 1.18. Jesus says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. John chapter 6, verse 46. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God, He has seen the Father. We've got we to get this. Look at John 6.46. How many people, according to Jesus, have seen the Father? How many? None. Look at 1 John 4. No one has seen God, speaking of the Father, you can see that in verses, four and four, in verses 10 and 14, at any time. So here's my question. What in the world is going on in places like Isaiah 6 then? When Isaiah sees the Lord... Let me show you this. Look, look over to Isaiah. Middle of your Bible. Turn right to the big book of Isaiah. Look at Isaiah 6. And, and, and while you have that, go ahead and hold your place in John 12. And we'll come back to that in just a second. I want you to see both of these together. Isaiah 6 and John 12. Isaiah 6, verse 1, in the year of King Uzziah's death, Isaiah says, John 12. In, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of His robe filling the temple. Seraphim, those are angelic beings, stood above Him, each having six wings, with two He covered His face, and with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of Him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I, Isaiah, said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Look at verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. Now keep that in mind as we look at John 12, verse 36. Middle of the verse. 
Well, we'll start at the top of verse 36. While you have the light, Jesus says, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and he went away and hid himself from them. For though he had performed many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah, the prophet who spoke in Isaiah 6. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe. For Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and He hardened their heart so they would not see with their eyes, perceive with their heart, and be converted. And I healed them. Notice that John is quoting here Isaiah 6. Then he says in verse 41, These things Isaiah said because he saw His glory and spoke of Him. So you tell me, according to verse 41 of John 12, who did Isaiah see in the temple that day? He saw the Christ. The second person of the Trinity, the pre-incarnate Christ who was born, we call Jesus. Now this might be surprising to you, but it shouldn't be surprising. Because think about this, in in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And again, in my mind, I would just tend to think, he's talking about God the Father. But think about this, John, John 1, 3, all things came into being through him, speaking of Jesus, and apart from him, nothing came into being that came into being. Colossians 1, verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Hebrews chapter 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in the these last days spoke to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So here's what I want to do. I want to try to put all these pieces together now and step back and see if we can answer the question. Who is this messenger of the Lord who ran after Hagar in Genesis 16? Who spoke with the authority that belongs to God himself, who Moses and Hagar called God, who acknowledged Hagar's sin and then left her with a blessing. I want to submit to you that that messenger of the Lord was the pre-incarnate Christ. Now, let's test that theory a few times. Look over to Genesis chapter 22. And look at verse 10. You remember that Abraham is getting ready to sacrifice his son Isaac. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abram a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this... 
thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as a sand which is on the seashore and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. I'll just show you one more place. You can write down um, Exodus 3, 2 through 6, but turn over to Exodus chapter 14. And I'll just give you one more example and leave you to go read the Old Testament and see if what I'm telling you is true. Exodus chapter 14, look at verse 19. The angel of God who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. With that in mind, look back at chapter 13, verse 21. In verse 19 and 14, it says the angel of God was the one in the pillar of cloud. But notice verse 21 of chapter 13. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them in the way. And a pillar of cloud, pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Who is the angel of the Lord? Who is this messenger of God who has been sent by God in order to do the work of God with the message of God? I believe it's the second person of the Trinity who we worship as Jesus. Now, let me anticipate what you might be saying. Maybe you're, you're, you're here and you're like, well, tell me, that's, that's a very interesting theology lesson. But I don't know if you've noticed, but we're in the middle of a global pandemic. And when I turn on the news, I hear people talking about our country unraveling. And we're here talking about who the identity of the angel of the Lord is. Like, are there not more urgent things for us to talk about this morning? Let me tell you what I think. I think the Lord knows exactly what we need when we need it. And right now, the theology that we discussed today, the truth about God, the truth about Jesus that we've discussed today, is exactly what we need to hear in the middle of a global pandemic while people say our country is unraveling. This is the message that we need to hear. And, and, and think about this. I'm just going to point out three things that um, have, as I've thought about this, that have, that have made this passage and the identity of the angel of the Lord precious to me. And, and the first is his commitment. It helps me to know that it was Jesus who was at work in Genesis chapter 1 to create and that it was Jesus at work in Genesis 16 and in Genesis 22 and in Genesis 31 and in Exodus 3 and in Exodus 3 and the whole rest of the Old Testament to save and to preserve. It's good for my heart to hear that Jesus has been at work not since Matthew 1.1, but since Genesis 1.1. Jesus has been at work. Jesus did not start loving us in the New Testament. Jesus Christ has been actively personally loving His people and working out a good plan for them for a long time. 
He's committed. He's been committed for a long time. And he's not going to stop being committed now. He's been in this thing before the world was. The Bible says that the Father said to Jesus, You are my son, ask of me, and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. Jesus has been working to receive that promise from the Father for thousands of years. He's always, we, 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 should, we should always be at work for society around us. We want the good of our society. But at the end of the day, our hope is, is not in a political party. Our hope is not in a country. Ultimately, we can say, unravel world if you must, but the rock of Jesus Christ on whom I'm standing is not moving. For 6,000 years, he's proven that he is totally committed. He's not going to fail. I think it's amazing. If you just read the Old Testament with this in mind, just notice that the angel of the Lord appears at these critical times in human history. Right when he's needed, the angel of the Lord appears. It's a turning point. <laughs> he's going to save the day. He's going to do it again. He's going to return. And he's going to save the day. This text also makes the cross even more precious to me. I think about Genesis 15 verse 6. When it says, Then Abram believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. This is the best news ever told that in the gracious economy of God, that if I stop trusting myself and trusting my sin to satisfy me, and, and rather trust Jesus as my Savior, that God stops counting my guilt against me and instead credits me with the righteousness of Jesus as if His record becomes mine. And what we saw in the text today is, is that the record that gets credited to me is even more precious because he doesn't merely, I don't merely receive a credit that he earned in 33 years of perfect faithfulness. Jesus has been faithfully, obediently doing the Father's will for all eternity. And that full record of righteousness is what is brought and credited to me. I've been a professional sinner. Since I've been born. But my sin has been overwhelmed. And overcome by an eternity. Of faithfulness. From Jesus. Where my sin abounded. His grace has abounded all the more. And then finally Jesus showing up in Genesis 16. Makes the promise of his continual presence all the more real to me. Here's a guilty rejected servant girl. In Genesis 16. She's hated by Sarah. And to Abram, she's completely inconsequential. You do with her whatever you want to. I don't care. But in Genesis 16, verse 7. The pre-incarnate Christ did what he loves to do. He did for her what he did for me. When I was running, he came and found me. The Bible says, 
In verse 17, now the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness. He personally searched for her and found her. And then he blessed her. The one who did that is the exact same one who met with another rejected lady by another well in his earthly life. He found her. Doesn't it it make the promise of Matthew 28 all the better? When Jesus personally says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Him, personally. I'm thankful. I've been thankful in recent days for a God who is so stubborn that He continues to run after me. And I guess the question is, for believers, then are you, are you enjoying the presence of Christ Himself? And unbelievers, is the Christ running after you? Why don't you stop rejecting Him and trust Him? An eternity of faithfulness will be credited to you as if you've done it. And the Bible says you won't be disappointed. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we look at Jesus in the Gospels. We look at how he responded to people and what he did, his kindness, his courage, his obedience, his humility, his boldness. And we say there is a perfect man who, who didn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he, he emptied himself and took on the form of a bondservant. It's amazing to me that he's been servant-hearted for all eternity. Father, I pray that we'd be more amazed. Lord, I pray that we would grow sick of all the things we put above him and we magnify in our hearts to seek our satisfaction in besides him. And Lord, we, I, I pray that you would give us grace to just see from, from all eternity that it's, it's Jesus. Jesus the Creator. Jesus our wisdom. Jesus our righteousness. Jesus our sanctification. Jesus our redemption. Jesus our hope. Jesus our prize. And Father, I pray that you would give us grace to walk with this Christ as He stubbornly walks with us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the First Baptist Newton Podcast. If you want to learn more, check out our website at newtonfbc.org. We'll see you next time.